Let's do that hockey. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the next episode of Dopper Prospects Radio. This is episode 115. I'm your host, Peter Harling. Thanks for tuning in. If this is your first time listening to the podcast, welcome. Thanks for joining. I don't know what took you so long. It's 115 episodes, yo. Catch up. All right. So I am continuing on with my prospect rankings series. And today I'll be backtracking a little bit and covering the Columbus Blue Jackets. I kind of overlooked them a little bit when I had a a scheduling problem with the guest. I just kind of moved on with the next team and kind of forgot to circle back. Uh, so I want to give a, a special thanks to, uh, Victor Nuno for coming back on and being a, a two-time offender, two times in three episodes, Victor, that, that almost makes you co-host. <laughs> oh, careful. We don't want to make Jesse jealous, uh, but no, thanks for having me on. I must not have screwed up too badly the first time. So appreciate it. No, the, the screw up was on my end. I was mispronouncing your last name. I mean, it's one thing to mispronounce hockey players' last names, but I mean, as a host, to mispronounce your guest's last name, that's a pretty unforgivable sin. And yet you came back, you forgave me, you gave, you've given me another chance. So I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. No worries. All right. So if you missed the episode that Victor was on talking Detroit Red Wings prospects with me, uh, you can find his work on uh, the hockey writers covering San Jose Sharks. Uh, He's also uh, affiliated and contributes occasionally to fan tracks, but you most probably know him from his own podcast, the Fantasy Hockey Life podcast. So tell me a little bit about what's cooking on there, Victor. Uh, Just kind of bait the listeners to check it out if they don't already listen to your show yeah thanks so uh we don't cover like the weekly schedule streaming you know redraft league kind of stuff we kind of focus more on deeper leagues we talk a lot about prospects in the during the season now we've been bringing on scouts uh, that specialize in different leagues and kind of getting their takes updated takes on prospects especially ones that you need to make decisions on and you're fantasy dynasty leagues and then we also have uh we're doing kind of a little analytics series so we got the evolving hockey one of the evolving hockey guys on uh, coming up soon and a couple other interesting guests so we'll be talking diving deep into the numbers and what they mean and how to how to have them help you with uh, your fantasy hockey league so that's kind of what we're doing now and then in the off season we'll be the off season will be coming soon peter it's coming uh and yeah. <laughs> we're going to be doing our whole team previews starting probably late April or May, because uh, we got to do all 32 teams before September. Yeah, the off season's coming. So is Christmas. It's only 11 months away now. Uh, it's January 25th. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, start, start preparing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. So let's talk a little Columbus Blue Jackets and specifically some of their prospects. So as I've mentioned on all the other episodes, I'm doing a top 10 ranking series for uh, NHLRumors.com, uh, you can catch all of the uh, all of the prospect rankings there. I'm up to the New York Rangers, uh, so the podcasts are a little bit behind with the articles, but uh, we'll get through it all, and uh, it's good stuff. So, the Columbus Blue Jackets kind of threw in the towel a little bit last season. They moved out some veterans: Nick Foligno, Seth Jones, David Savard at the end of last season. Uh, They replenished some draft picks and their prospect pool, as we were kind of talking at the beginning of the show, uh, isn't the deepest, uh, safe to say. Uh, But they got three first round picks in the draft last year. So that that certainly gave them 
uh, a shot in the arm in their prospect pool. And they've got a core that's, that's, you know, pretty young that they're building around Patrick Line, uh, Oliver Borksjand, uh, Boone Jenner, Zach Wierenski. Uh, they added uh, Jake Bean. They got Adam Boquest. So, you know, they got a couple of players on the roster heading into this season that they were young graduated prospects. And uh, you know, so they're not, uh, they're not the most exciting team, but they got some more kids on the way and they got a, a young core that they're, they're trying to build around. I think there's a little bit more mining for prospects to be done here and they should uh, land themselves around a top 10. They'll be in the lottery anyways, I think pretty safe to say this season going in. Uh, what's your, um, what's your assessment of the state of the union in, in Columbus? Well, I think I, I agree with what they did. You know, they, they kind of, took a look around and realized they needed to to rebuild a little bit um, and play some of the younger guys, moved out some contracts, gave some opportunities. And I think that's, that's nice when you see teams do that. They definitely have some decent pieces already in the NHL. So that's good to see. And yeah, they, I think they absolutely hit the ball out of the park in the 2021 draft. I mean, that was phenomenal. They're, they're three first round picks. I think they, they hit on every single one of them. And I think that they even, did pretty decent with some of their later round picks. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I, I think uh, the future is pretty bright, at least uh, at the top of their prospect pool. I'm not sure that the depth is as good as, you know, some of the other, like certainly Detroit or LA or Carolina, but uh, at the top where you really want it to be good. I think it's, it's very, very good. Right. So, so Victor, you had a look at uh, my rankings uh, online and you've come up with your own as well. So we can do a little uh, comparison as we go through. So let's tuck into that and we'll start at the top. And uh, I think we both agree that their top prospect is Kent Johnson. For me, it's Kent Johnson with a bullet. Uh, I really like him. Uh, He's got, I wouldn't say necessarily boom or bust because I don't, I don't really see him busting, but the boom potential seems to be there and that he can just be an electrifying player. And that's why I, I I agree with you that they, they really nailed it at the 2021 entry draft uh, selecting this guy. Cause this is an element that I really feel like Columbus has been lacking in its, its identity since its existence. They've never really been a very sexy team, right? Like they've never been very good. Um, and they've really lacked star power, uh, throughout the history of their, their franchise. I mean, they've had some good players, uh, but no one who is really an elite level highlight reel kind of player in the prime of his career, um, that really jumps to mind. Um, I think Panarin played there, but not for long enough. And, um, it's, this is an element that I, I think the team's really really desperate to have and i hope that they've they've found it in kent johnson I mean, he's got silky smooth mitts he toe drags and curls the puck uh with the best of them and he's always trying to make exciting plays and i think you know that's something that columbus fans will will really enjoy having uh if he can fulfill that level of potential and i think that if he doesn't fulfill that level of potential he'll still be a very good nhl player and, and produce for them and play in a top six role so, you know, the bus potential, you know, take it with a grain of salt. He's not going to not make the NHL, I don't think, but he might not be a, an all-star player that has his, you know, the, the hockey card 
favorite. You know, they, they, when Columbus comes to your Canadian city, they, they don't sell that player as, as the, uh, as the bait to get fans to come see him. So I, I like his upside and, um, I'm kind of curious to see what your take is on. Yeah, I, I agree with everything you said. And I, I definitely agree that this, that he's number one with the bullet. I think that the next guy we'll talk about is also very good, but I think the upside is so high with Ken Johnson and yeah, he's a, he's a magician with the puck. If you had to pick one guy, you know, from most pretty much anyone in any of these prospect pools to beat someone one-on-one, it'd probably be Ken Johnson. He's so good at that. And last year when he only had the, the, you know, the first season and he's sort of more of a role player uh, on that, on that stack team, I was a little concerned about the boom bust, you know, because I think playing the BCHL and dominating that league, he picked up a few bad habits, like trying to beat everybody one-on-one, not using his teammates as much, but that's really changed now. And I feel like his potential is boom or boom. Now I just, I don't think there's much uh, (laughs) bust as you said, um, and, you know, looking at hockey prospecting, he is one of the few players that went up dramatically from his draft season. He was at 38% star potential now up to 55. And I mean, he just, his comparables are pretty much all star producers, except for a couple of outliers, guys like Joe Sakic, Ilya Kovalchuk, Nazem Kadri. These are the guys that statistically he's profiling like, not saying that he will, of course, be Joe Sakic or anything like that, but I think the upside is is there. And, you know, one of the concerns was also like defensive play, play away from the puck. And you see huge strides in that this season. Like he's really done a, a good job. I don't think they'll ever win, you know, a Selkie trophy, but he will be, uh, you know, passable uh, defensively. And he's much more, you know, aware, engaged and all that kind of stuff. And he's, you know, got the third most star potential of anyone in that draft at this point. And it's really close between him and Gunther. So he might end up being the highest upside forward of anyone in that, in that draft. And, and I, I don't think that's unreasonable. I, at the time I thought it was a little high that, that they went so high with him. Um, and in our pre, in our, um, in our off season uh, draft rankings that Jesse and I did, I had him fifth um, for fantasy. So I was still pretty high on him, even though there are a couple guys I might've slid in earlier, but uh, he's just been fantastic. You know, 30 points in 23 games for Michigan. And yes, Michigan is a stacked team. Uh, and the other thing is, I don't know about you, Peter, but I definitely think he's going to be a winger at the next level. I think that I don't know that he's going to be a center, but you really see the benefit of Ken Johnson having someone like Matty Beniers, a strong two-way center to, you know, just help him out a little bit. And he doesn't need that much help, but I think having a strong defensively responsible player on his line uh, is, is going to make him that much better. Cause like I said, he's not bad, but it just, you know, it just really helps out a lot. So if he doesn't have that, I don't know that he'll struggle a ton, but he may not be able to put up as many points as he can with someone like that. And uh, and the next guy we'll talk about may be that for him. We'll have to see uh, who he plays with with the Blue Jackets, but he definitely has really high first line upside, you know, point getter, um, you know, could be 70 plus, 75 plus point per game forward he's not going to have a ton of peripherals but a lot of good points yeah i like how he's trending up because i i got him in one of my fantasy leagues so i'm pretty happy about that i was a little bit concerned that you know he didn't uh make the canadian world junior team as a minus one player as an underage player right in his draft year 
Um, but I kind of just chalk that up to the politics of the game that he doesn't come from the CHL that he was playing in the NCAA. Uh, he made the team this year um, for the whole two games. Um, but yeah, he's, he's trending up hard in the right direction. His point per games total was one He has 27 points and 26 as a freshman. And as a junior, it's even better 30 and 23 His plus minus is plus 21. Sure. Whatever. Say what you want about plus minus. It's a garbage stat, but plus 21 is, is very good. And of course it should be good because he's on a, on a really strong team. So they should score more than they get scored on. So you know, again, grain of salt with all that, but uh, yeah, I like I like the opportunity for him to to break in the NHL on the wing uh, for starters. For sure, it's easier for young players to to play on the wing than it is at center. There's a lot less responsibility on the wing, uh, so I can see him definitely starting there, and I wouldn't be surprised at all if if that's just where he stayed, depending on what Columbus's depth down the middle is like when when he's ready to to play in the NHL. Um, kind of a similar role to what someone like Mitch Marner does for Toronto. So if he had someone who's a big, strong center um, that can drive the play, like, you know, Mitch Marner has in Toronto with, with Matthews or Tavares, then, you know, that, uh, that is a recipe for success. I would like to see as the fantasy owner of Ken Johnson. All right. So the next guy, you kind of touched on him a little bit. We'll, we'll jump to him now. So we both agree with Kent Johnson, number one, no contest. And we both also have Cole Sillinger at number two. And that wasn't really contested for me either. Uh, I didn't, I felt like there was a, a pretty big gap between Kent Johnson and Cole Sillinger. And then there was a pretty big gap um, after that as well. And Cole Sillinger, surprisingly enough, uh, you know, playing in the NHL right out of his draft. So that is a pretty good start to his career. Uh, let's, let's start with your take on, on Cole. What do you like about him? Cause you were kind of, kind of alluding to him a little bit already. Yeah. I think if you would have told me at the beginning of the season that the three, seven and 12th overall picks from the 2021 draft would make their teams and only the 12th overall would still be with their team come January. I, I think you could have won a lot of money on that bet. Uh, because that's pretty unlikely. Um, but Cole Sillinger just did such a great job. You know, I'm technically he was the 11th player taken since Arizona forfeited their pick, but they call him the 12th overall pick. Anyways, he was ninth on my board from our summer shows. Uh, so I was really high on him. Uh, I think it's pretty absurd, actually, that he jumped from the USHL all the way to the NHL. I mean, that's like a multi-tier jump. But he was just so good, you know, and I and I can't recall the last time that's happened. But when he came to camp, he was, you know, the details of his game were what really allowed him to to stay, you know, like defensively, you know, all situations. He wasn't a liability out there. So I think that goes to show a lot. But also, I think some people might look at what he's done in the NHL so far this year. And, you know, 13 points in 36 games doesn't jump off the page. But you have to remember how many you know leaps and bounds he's grown by so just doing what he's doing now is really impressive and i i think the point upside is still there it's just you know the the guy's just playing his first 36 games in the nhl so you got to be a little bit patient and the fact that most of his metrics are close to average is is amazing in fact his expected goals against per 60 is almost a standard deviation above an average NHL player, which is remarkable for someone that young and new to the league. So 
I like him. He's got a tremendous shot. He's got a really good compete level. He's smart. You know, when he's out there, you see him being in the right position, being on the right side of the puck, you know, defensively. Um, he was their top line center for like a really long time in Columbus and doing just fine at it. That's that blows me away that he was able to do that. So I think, you know, the points are going to take a little bit to come and turn, you know, once he has someone like Ken Johnson or more robust supporting cast around him to kind of offload some of the tough responsibilities, but I'm really high on Cole Cylinder. I think he can be, you know, a really valuable forward in, in fantasy in terms of, uh, you know, being, you know, close to that 70 plus point range, maybe not in the next year or two, but I think his upside is is certainly there. Yeah. One of the things I really like about him from a Columbus point of view is, you know, he's the son of former NHL journeyman forward, Mike Sillinger, who um, played uh, in Columbus and that's where he was born. So Cole Sillinger was born in Columbus while his dad was, was a player there. And so now he's, you know, come and, joining that organization as well. So I think that's really cool. And he's had a bit of a bit of an unconventional route to where he is. He played two seasons in the WHL. And then with the, uh, the COVID situation last year, he, he found 31 games in, in the USHL, which I don't think it's a, a step up or down. I think it, the USHL is a pretty comparable league to the CHL. Uh, and now he's just made the jump straight into the NHL, which uh i wouldn't have predicted uh so i i think that's that's pretty impressive uh and i like his game you know he's got a good all-round game he's got a, a really good work ethic and drive on the ice he's got a very good shot one of the, the better shooters out of his draft class um and he plays a good all-round game so you know good on good on columbus for for taking him for the bloodlines and the heritage and 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 all that i think that's That'll resonate with with the hardcore fans in Columbus. So that's pretty cool. So this is where our lists become divergent. Uh, you wrote your list like yesterday or today, and I, I wrote mine early in the season. So there's been a little bit of changes here. And so the guy I had ranked three was Liam Foodie. Um, I probably wouldn't have him this high on my list at this point um, because when I wrote the list, you know, he was looking like as a 21 year old, this was his opportunity to break into the NHL. Uh, He played more in the NHL than he did in the AHL last season during COVID uh, and giving the Columbus is kind of going in a youth movement. I thought that they would make room for him on their roster uh, but he's played almost entirely this season in the American Hockey League. So that's a bit disappointing. Um, I like Foodie. Uh, he's, you won't find too many guys that are faster than him. He is a burner. He's got wheels. He's got pretty good hands as well. But I think his upside isn't going to be in the top six. I kind of see him as like a, a Todd Marchant guy, a guy that's going to get a lot of a lot of breakaways. He's going to kill a lot of penalties. He'd be a, a penalty killing specialist in the NHL if if he makes it. At this point, I'm not really concerned or convinced that his NHL um, career is is a certainty at this point. I think he's got some work to do, and the fact that he didn't make it this year uh, is a bit of a red flag for me. Uh, so you had Foodie ranked tenth on your list. So um, obviously, I'm a little bit higher on him. I was at the time I wrote the article. I've kind of, I'm kind of cooling on him a little bit. I'm not sure where I'd rank him now, but it's probably in the, in the six 
territory. Um, but you had him as a barely ranked player on your top 10. Um, thankfully for him, it's not a very deep prospect pool or he probably wouldn't have made the cut. Talk to me about foodie for, for a little bit here, Victor. Yeah, I actually didn't want to rank him, but then when I looked at the rest of the pool, I was like, well, I guess he's 10 because <laughs> there weren't really a lot of other good options. So by default. Yeah. Foodie, you were saved by the, like anyone cares what I think though. Um, but <laughs> in fantasy though, I think that's what I'm talking about here. Cause you're right. As a, as like for the blue jackets, as an NHL player, uh, I think he probably could be, you know, I, I, I agree. He's kind of borderline now. He really needs to step up and, and decide what, what he's going to be. But uh, yeah, he is really fast. And uh, what's interesting is <clears throat> one of his comparables on hockey prospecting is John Madden, who I think a lot of us remember as that, you know, strong defensive forward, got a lot of shorthanded points and played that role really well, but he was a replacement level points producer. And that's kind of what I think, Liam Foodie will be like he'll be a guy that maybe you'll stream uh here and there but I don't think he's someone unless you're in a super deep league and and you're trying to chase those shorthanded points it's someone that you'll want to keep uh because I just don't think his points upside is ever going to be there probably a bottom six forward maybe middle six but I I you know a 45 points I think would be amazing for him in a season so I, I just don't think that he's going to get there and he doesn't have a huge sample size in the NHL, as you're mentioning, but you know, 27 games, isn't nothing. Uh, And pretty much all of his numbers are, you know, half standard deviation below what you would want. So expected goals against expected Corsi against and, and goals against. So uh, even defensively right now, he's not great, but maybe he gets there, you know? And uh, I just think that, uh, you know, he's someone who's kind of shown, that he doesn't have a huge track record for points and there isn't really a big upside there. So I wouldn't even want him on my fantasy team because I like, what are you hoping for? That becomes like a, you know, if all, if everything breaks perfectly, he's a middle six, 45 point player. I just don't know that that moves the needle much. So yeah, I'm pretty low on him uh, just because, you know, for fantasy, I don't know that it's going to, um, that it's ever going to amount to a whole lot and everything has to go really well for him. Um, so yeah, that's why I'm low on him. Yeah. The last time I looked, there isn't a fantasy hockey stat or category for being fast. So that's a real knock on foodie. Um, okay. So the next guy I have on my list um, made it all the way up to fourth on my list. So Quick recap, Kent Johnson, Cole Sillinger, Liam Foodie, one, two, three. Then I went with Yegor Shinnikov, the, at the time, the very controversial first round pick of the Columbus Blue Jackets in, uh, in 2020, they selected him 21st overall. And this was the first non-live NHL draft. So I was, I was at home watching it on TV and they make the pick selection <laughs> and then, they, and then the, the camera cuts back to the panel of, of draft experts and they're all scrambling through their notes going who the f is yegor Wanamakov? who is this guy like no one had heard of him he was and you just you almost never ever ever see players come out of nowhere in the first round of the nhl draft anymore i mean that wasn't too unusual a long time ago but the scouting community, the way it is now, and and the amount of of capital and investment that NHL teams and emphasis that they put on scouting, it's pretty hard to find a, a player that that no one's heard of. So I think this was a case where a few teams knew about him, and Columbus had it 
in their mind that someone was going to select him. So they had to pick him now or or never because he was going to be gone by the time their next pick came around. So in saying that, it almost sounds like, yeah, they might have, in their own words, reached a little bit on selecting him when they did. But I, I agree with the philosophy of if you've got a guy in the draft that you want to have on your team, you go out and you get him. And if you have to pick him early, then, then you do that uh, because, you know, revisionist history, you can go back and look through NHL drafts and see guys that were picked in the second, third, fourth, fifth, seventh round, or never drafted that are better than guys that were picked in, in the first round or even the top 10. So just because he doesn't rank as a top 10 or a first round pick, if that's the guy you want, then, you know, nuts, just go out and get him. So, you know, since his draft, uh, he's been kind of proving Columbus not wrong for selecting him uh, in the first round back in 2020. So in his draft plus one year, he made the KHL um, as a as an 18-year-old, uh, scored 10 goals in 32 games, looked really good in the playoffs where he had seven points in 21 games, and looked good for Russia at the World Juniors uh, playing there. I don't remember what they medaled. I think it was a silver that year. Uh, he's won a KHL championship as well since then. And now he's signed his NHL entry-level contract and he's come over to North America. Um, and you would think that he'd break in at the American Hockey League level, but nope, played one game there, scored a goal, and he's been in the NHL for the rest of the season. So he's made the NHL. He's got 30 games played. So technically he no longer qualifies for my rankings, but... Um, like I said, I wrote these a while ago. So he's got seven points through 30 games in the NHL. He's got a whopping minus 14. Uh, so, you know, that's not a that's not a good looking stat on him. But four goals and seven points in 30 games as a 20 year old now. And he's six foot 179. Um, what's your take on Chinnikov? Yeah, that so good points. Um, I think it's important to remember that he was an overager, too. So the reach seemed a little excessive especially because it was right after the new jersey devils had taken shakir mukamadulin and so it was back to back who what what is happening Mm -hmm. um and you know i i definitely agree that there's a time like i agree with what you said like get your guy but also you know there is a time to bet on upside and take the younger players draft eligible because the upside, the range of outcomes is higher. And there's a, there's a time to switch gears and say, you know what, it's fine to take an overager who's made some real progress. And I think that time is closer to the mid second round, if not closer to the third. So I didn't like this pick and sure revisionist, you can look back and see some other options, but the problem is like, I just don't think the upside was huge there. Uh, and I think it remains being not huge. Um, but yeah, he has had some success. He won the garden cup, as you mentioned for with former, uh, avalanche cup winning coach, Bob Hartley. So that was kind of fun. And many people were panning that pick. I, I, I didn't like it as I mentioned, but, um, you know, half point per game in the KHL isn't nothing. And the thing is that he has a, a, a really big shot and that's what attracted a lot of people is like he can really rip it but the question was what else can he do and I think his game is evolving like he's better playmaker he's uh, being a little bit more deceptive with his shot he has a lot of different shot varieties and types that he can get off that are that are accurate so that's good 
Um, and he's improved his skating, which is a problem. Uh, so he's not a total defensive liability now, but it's still not like he's, he's pretty not good defensively still. <laughs> and it's not like he's generating a lot of offense. He really needs someone to like feed him the puck and then, you know, he can just hammer it. And uh, without someone like that, plus they already have someone who's like that basically on the team and that's line a, right? So you have two guys who want to do that and who's the one setting up all these guys and being the amazing playmaker. Well, Kent Johnson isn't there yet. So um, they don't have that exactly yet, but I feel like he's, you know, he's, he's grown and he's, he's better, but I just don't know that he's going to be someone that's going to consistently score more than 50, 55 points. And I think most of those are going to be goals. I don't think he's going to be getting a lot of assists unless it's just from shooting it, creating a rebound and then someone hammering at home. So yeah, I'm not super high on Shinnikov. I think that I there were definitely better options, and I just don't know that he has that much more room to grow, especially because you know he's already in the NHL now and um, showing who he is. And who he is is uh, below average NHL um, comparables at this point. So I don't think the range of outcomes for being much more is is uh, is is vast. Yeah, I wouldn't have picked him even going in revisionist history if knowing what i know about him now going back in time to that draft would i endorse that selection at that time no i would not um if you really had it in to get that guy um i guess i can kind of understand that um i probably would have explored trading down as an option uh and increase my uh my draft currency with some some additional picks later on um it's not like you're not like your prospect pool couldn't use the help. Uh, okay, so that's that's Chinnikov. That's uh, the top four. Uh, coming in at number six is the guy you had at number four. And that is another Russian. And it is Kirill Marchenko. And he's a 2018 second round pick. So he's 21 years old now. Uh, he's pretty, pretty good size, 6'2", 181. So, you know, a little bit of, a little bit of mass there. And right now he's in his, I think, third full season in the KHL. And, uh, he's trending in the right direction. You know, he had, uh, 28 points last season. He's got 20 points in 39 games this season. Um, looks like he's been named to the Russian Olympic team recently as well. So that's a pretty nice little feather in his cap to be sure. Uh, he skates well, uh, gets around the ice nice, nice and quick. He's got a good, quick, accurate shot. Um, uh, but he reads the play really well. I think that's perhaps one of his, his best attributes is his hockey smarts, you know, no liabilities with the other areas of his game. They're all good. Um, but, uh, but he, he seems to be a pretty smart hockey player. And this is his last season in his KHL contract. So I think it's pretty safe to say that Columbus would be uh, wise and will do their very best to sign him to an ELC contract. Hopefully by the end, before the season ends, he can come over after the KHL season's done because it finishes, they start and finish before the NHL. So there'll be a window of opportunity for there for Columbus to sign him, bring him over, um entice him by burning a year of his entry-level contract up and then uh they get a a peek at how he transitions to north america uh and they also get him under contract and and keep him out of the khl for another couple years because they'd have that non-transfer agreement um so you've got marshenko ranked as your fourth guy 
Hugo Johnson Sillinger Tarasov, and we'll circle back and talk to Tarasov in a bit. Uh, and then you go Marshenko and then Shinnikov. So you like him more than the other Russian option in Shinnikov. So talk to me a little bit about your uh, your assessment on Marshenko, please. Yeah, part of it is the the known versus unknown range of outcomes, right? I feel like we know a little bit more about Shinnikov at this point. So I'm a, plus he's older and, you know, the overager status and all that. And Marchenko was, a, you know, early on a little bit more of a, of a, a high point producer in the KHL from an earlier age and uh, had some really great success. So I like that a lot. Uh, and, you know, he, he had pretty high NHL equivalency uh, just based on his uh, last season, which was the last one that goes into the hockey prospecting model. A lot of his comps are pretty high you know, point getting guys, guys like Mark Recchi and Brett Hull. I don't think he's like, I don't think he's that high. I don't think he will uh, reach that potential. But I, the reason I have him fourth is because I feel like there's, there's a broader range of outcomes and some of those are, are pretty high, you know, 70 ish point player type, uh, you know, fantasy relevant. There's a couple of things that concern me though. And so he's definitely more of a boom bust. We talked about Ken Johnson being a boom, boom. Um, but I think Karel Marchenko is more of a boom bust because he, I think you said there aren't a whole lot of holes in his game, but I think that there's some, there's some issues actually. I think he's a guy who's really good with the puck, uh, but he's not someone who, um, who uses his teammates super well. He definitely mm. is someone who wants to um, do the highlight real play, right. And, and kind of beat someone, put it in their feet, um, you know, slick, slickly move around them. And he's got a good shot and he has good hockey IQ for sure. But it's like, he, it's, sometimes he just, he doesn't uh, see the wide open guy right next to him or, uh, you know, 20 feet away. And so that's a, that's a bit of a problem um, for me. He's also uh, really not great defensively. Um, he's not like horrible, but he's just kind of there. And he has a stick kind of there, um, but his effort is kind of lacking. Like he, he's basically one of those guys that's like always trying to, you know, do do a quick, you know, poke check and uh, stand someone up and, and then quickly go the other way, which, you know, great for offense. Right. But like that's going to drive coaches crazy and, and he might get, um, you know, not the best opportunity because of that. So that that can, there are definitely some things that concern me a little bit. We had a Russian prospect expert Dylan Griffin on our show over the uh, in the fall, and he was really not excited about what like the lack of progress Marchenko was making, especially with those sort of hockey IQ things and using his teammates well and all that kind of stuff. And he says he sees him more of as a middle six player. And I really, really tried to push him to say he could be a top six and he wouldn't, he wouldn't get there. So that, that concerns me a little bit because he watches the KHL and, uh, and he's been watching him since he was in the VHL and MHL and, and, uh, and a lot of those things just haven't changed. So the lack of sort of growth and progression in his game is, is a little bit concerning, but I still feel like the reason I had him for is because the, the potential is still kind of there. Although um, I agree with you that after cylinder, actually after Tarasov for me, things really kind of drop off and, and level off in terms of this uh, prospect field. Right. Yeah. In terms of uh, a lack of enthusiasm towards defense, at least that is a correctable deficiency. You can teach anyone uh, how to play defense. Um, they either the will or they won't, right. They either have the will to play defensively or, or they don't. Um but you can at least teach it um, and you can inspire players to develop the will 
to play defensively if, if they're not a total lost cause. Um, if you don't have the hands or the offensive vision, though, um, or the cojones to try some of these, um, you know, between the legs sort of spinorama type plays, if you don't have the cojones to try those because you don't want to look stupid, then, you know, that's a problem, too. So, you know, there's there's potential there, like you said. Um, so in terms of, you know, fantasy ownership, if you owned him in a in a in a, you know, a full sim sort of league where you've got, you know, 20 plus teams in your league uh with full rosters and full 20 25 player prospect benches as well and you owned marchenko what would be your uh your stock on him is this a player that would be on your untouchable list would it be a you can have him uh, if you want to pay the premium or you can have him if you give me something that's decent or you can have him i might drop him you can have him <laughs> Definitely not the last one. I'm not going to drop him until he at least steps uh, into the NHL and, and sees what's going to happen. Because as you said, you know, he he's had he uh, signed a contract with Sky. You know, this is always the issue with uh, KHL players is they often sign long contracts and they won't come over. Yeah. Um, all indications are that he he does want to come over, but I mean, yeah, we'll see. How does it how does it work? How does he fit in with the team? Um, you know, all that kind of stuff. So until I know that i'm not dropping him i also if someone you know believes some of these uh you know hockey prospecting numbers and comparables maybe i'll send him a screenshot of my uh comparable here to mark recce and see if he'll you know give me something really good i would absolutely take that um i i feel right. like i feel like i would i would be happy to you know take a, a pretty good up-and-comer young guy you know high upside just thinking about the the draft of ken johnson someone like uh, Dylan Gunther be happy to take someone high like that. I'd also be happy to oh, yeah. take someone who's uh, younger and, and doing really well in the league. Like now, like a Drake Batherson or something like that. I would even take that from Archenko because I just think that uh, even though the, there is a high range of outcome that, that where he could be really valuable, there's, there's also a pretty good chance that he just uh, kind of flounders becomes a middle six guy. And after a year or two goes back to Russia. So, you know, I don't, I'd, I'd kind of rather get out now if I could, if I could get something really good, but I'm definitely not dropping him or selling him for nothing. Right. It's always tricky dealing in green bananas, right? Cause you just don't know. Um, okay. Next guy on uh, both our lists is defensin Corson Kuhlman. So I have him ranked in the, actually we both have him ranked uh, six overall. So that's interesting. So my top six is Johnson Sillinger, Foodie, uh chinnikov marshenko kuhlman's and yours is similar johnson sillinger tarasov uh marshenko chinnikov and now kuhlman's so this was the third and final first round pick that columbus had back in 2021 and i like him better uh than chinnikov um for draft value anyways uh and in fact i might even move him up on my rankings if i redid these now uh just ahead uh, so Kuhlman's is 6'2", 198, uh, defenseman, and his path to the NHL uh, might be why uh, his draft stock was a little low because he's coming out of um, uh, the Alberta Junior Hockey League. Uh, so the Brooks Bandits is where he played um, in his draft year. Uh, and he only played eight, eight games. Um, and the year before that he had 35 points in 44 games. 
he's committed to the University of Wisconsin. So as a freshman there through 23 games, he's got 17 points. He moves really well. He's big. He's got a big, heavy shot from the point. Um, so I don't think he's the most creative offensive defenseman on the blue line. Uh, so in terms of running a power play, I'm not sure that his, uh, that his vision, uh, offensively as a power play quarterback is there, but if you put him on the other, as a right shot defenseman, if you put him on a point with a, a forward or another, you know, offensively creative passing defenseman uh, that could be a good power play combination for them in the future uh and he's not uh very very risky defensively either so he's big he moves well he's got you know the physical size to his game he's got a hard heavy shot and he's pretty reasonable defensively so i kind of like the way that this player is built for the nhl and i kind of like the way that he's trending and projecting towards the nhl as well so i think they got really good value with the 25th overall pick. Um, where do you where do you see his stock here? We both have him ranked the same, so I imagine you're kind of seeing sort of a similar thing here. Yeah, I definitely, I see him similar to the other defenders that they drafted. Um, another one on your list, one of them that you didn't rank, but I see them all in a similar kind of tier. I don't think, in, I don't think they have a defenseman that has super high offensive upside, but I do like Kulamins. I think that, it was tricky to evaluate him coming out of the AJHL. I just, I feel like that's always so tricky because the the really good players look so much better than anyone else. And it's just like, what's going to happen. But when he was at the U18s for Canada, I mean, that's certainly a better comparison for the competition there. And he looked great and has mm-hmm. transitioned really nicely to Wisconsin. So that all says a lot. That's a huge job. I mean, AJHL to NCAA is, is huge. That's a massive leap, leap. And of course, playing, for Canada at the, at the U18s was a huge leap as well. And he uh, so far is handling that all really well. And I think that, um, you know, I, I do a ranking of under, uh, under a hundred played game games played uh, on my, uh, for my show on my Patreon and he's number 43. So he's pretty high. Uh, his peripherals are good. I, I just don't think the points are going to be there in a, in a massive amount. That's the main reason he's not higher. But yeah, I'm loving the upward trajectory. I'm loving that as he takes, as he gets to higher levels, his production um, seems to not really dip and it actually goes up. And some of these players that, you know, play well with better players, um, sometimes you can see that. And it seemed like when he played with his fellow Canadians at the U18, it was, you know, he, he, he was great. He, it wasn't hard for him. He fit right in um, and, and playing at the university of Wisconsin, he's been doing great so far. So uh, we'll we'll see how he tracks and maybe there's more offense to be had. Um, but I think between him and the other two, um, they're kind of even and we'll talk about the other ones later. But I, I wish they had a super high upside offensive defenseman. But I guess that's just going to be Zach Wierenski for the next uh, decade. Yeah, yeah, they're going to have to ride that train. All right. So that's the top six at seven. I have a guy that also barely made your top 10. That's Tyler Angle. Uh, I talked a little bit about him on your podcast when I was a guest on there a few weeks ago, talking about prospect risers and fallers. I had him in the risers category. Um, you know, since then, he's kind of starting to slip towards the fallers. Um, so Tyler Angle, 21 years old, 5'10", 172. Uh, a 7th round pick back in 2019. So it's not like Columbus has a lot of draft capital invested in him. He's come out of the Ontario Hockey League 
and his point per game totals saw a nice uh steady and uh pretty sharp incline in his point productions as well so four points as a rookie in 41 games nowhere to go but up from there uh then he went 17 then he went to 44 and then he had 67 points so just over a point a game in his fourth and final season uh in the ohl uh last year was his rookie pro season and uh in the american hockey league and in 23 games he had 11 goals and 24 points uh so that is right at the top of the league uh, and as a rookie too right so that really got him on my radar far more than anything that he did in the ontario hockey league and then i look back and i said go so where's this guy is he a late bloomer is he too old Where, where's he coming from and and he's not too old right he was only 20 years old last year he's 21 now um on a steady upward trajection um you know seventh round pick so i'm thinking here's a pretty good sleeper fantasy hockey prospect to uh you can probably add him in your league as a as a free agent for free he's probably undrafted if he was a seventh round pick in the nhl your if your fantasy draft goes that deep that's deep uh but now he's become fantasy relevant right so can he make Columbus Blue Jackets uh, in his, his second season? He's 21 years old now. Uh, and if not, does he continue this upward trajectory and maintain his point per game pace in the American Hockey League? Well, at the start of the season, it was looking like he was going to be able to do that. But since then, he's kind of cooled off pretty hard. Uh, he's only got four points in his last 10 games. Uh, and in all in all, he's got four goals on the entire season and 19 points in 32 games. So his point per game production is almost in half. Um, so that's trending in the wrong direction hard. And one of the things I, I wonder about his inflated stats, if you want to call them that compared to this year, uh, is his impressive stats, let's say, in the American Hockey League last year. On the Dallas episode, Russ Cohen said something to me that I thought was interesting that last year with the COVID situation and the taxi squad in the NHL, all the NHL teams were carrying an extra goalie. So basically pulled one of their top goalies out of the American hockey league and threw him on the taxi squad, which really diluted the goaltending in the American hockey league. Um, and so that he feels that a lot of players had some inflated production in the American hockey league last year, because the goaltending was, was subpar. And this might be turning out to be an example of that. Um, I still kind of still kind of holding on hope, you know, maybe he's playing through an injury right now and he's, and he's, he's got like one, one hand tied behind his back, which is why his production's fallen off. Um, I'd like to hear what your take is on, on him though, Victor. Well, that take that you had about the uh, AHL talent pool being diluted really hit, hit home for me too. I think that's a, that's a super, good point that you made and and especially when you see someone really pop off like angle did in that specific season where he you know looked so good uh and you know someone who really didn't look amazing until his final year of junior usually you can't expect a whole lot for uh, from but uh yeah i mean that was good to see and he was he's definitely someone that I wanted to keep my eye on and someone that we talked about as, you know, put him put him on your roster and we'll see what he does. Maybe he can um, this year being a little disappointing. Um, I just don't I don't know that he has a, a huge point upside, uh, but I, I think that he has a good defensive game that can lead to offense. 
And I really like that he's not afraid to take the puck, you know, into the middle of the ice, go into the high danger areas. Uh, you know, I don't know if that'll work in the NHL, but they need blue collar goals in the NHL too. So he's a guy who can absolutely um, do that. And maybe it'll be enough. I'm just not sure that the upside is there. So he's someone that's worth, you know, sort of like a speculative ad to see, what he can do, especially because he's super close. Like he, he could get an NHL games anytime, you know, and, uh, and maybe it goes really well for him. We've seen some, you know, high scoring AHL guys have some success, but I wouldn't expect, you know, huge 50 plus point output from him. I don't know that that's in the cards for him, which is why I've moved it. I moved him down on my list. Um, but, you know, there's still a range of outcomes where he, he could be decent and uh, maybe he clicks with some of the high offensively talented players on this team. But I think he'll settle into a more defensive role if he even becomes an NHL regular, which is also a huge question. So I wouldn't be, um, you know, if he's, if you're looking at someone to drop in, in, in your leagues, he's someone who I think is a candidate for that. Um, but if you can hold him until you at least see what he does in the NHL, I think it's worth it probably. Yeah, he's he's creeping into the droppable range for me as well, even in the, the deeper, deeper leagues. Um because he's 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 hit the wall a little bit here. Um I try not to be too reactionary and in, in short sample sizes here. You know, you you know a whole entire season last year he was he was better than average. Um he's been average this year. Um just kind of wait and see. If he, like I said, if he's playing through an injury, then you'll regret that decision. Um the concern I would have though, that, that kind of keeps him on the, on, you know, my hand over the drop him button is he doesn't really have any particular elite level or better than average level skill, right? Like he's not super fast. He's not super skilled with the puck. He's not got a great shot. He just does everything well, but nothing great and nothing poorly either. Right? Like he's, He's reliable defensively and he doesn't have any glaring weaknesses. It's not like he's skating with ski boots or, you know, he shoots the puck three feet wide and high of the net and it rims around and clears the zone all the time. Um, he's sort of a jack of all trades, master of, of none. And I, I, I feel like um, you need to be better than average at something to make the NHL because there's a lot of good players in the world. Uh, but if you can be better than average at something, rather be your shot or your passing or your skating, or you can punch people out, whatever it is that gets you to the NHL, you got to have something I think that's really good. And, and I haven't seen that from, from Tyler Angle yet. All right, moving down my list here, going with number eight, uh, Dmitry Voronkov. And this is kind of where I'm getting into the territory of my list where I had to put someone in the rankings and that's kind of what happened with this guy, six foot four, one ninety, big Russian uh, winger forward uh, fourth round pick by the Columbus blue jackets had a pretty good season in the KHL in his um, second season. I think it was last year during COVID uh, 19 points in 53 games, made the Russian World Championship roster, made the Russian World Junior roster the year before, uh, seven points in the World Juniors, six points in the World Championships, um, playing for Akbar's Kazan uh, in 2021. He had another 10 points in 15 playoff games. So here's a player who's kind of, you know, started trending in the right direction pretty hard. 
Um, this season, he's back in the KHL. He's made the Russian Olympic World uh, Russian Olympic roster as well. But his points is, are starting to take a, a little bit of a hit. Twelve points in thirty-eight games. Uh, you know, it's it's good. It's it's not terrible. Um, it's kind of right around where he was last year, but a little bit down. Point three two points per game. Uh, so this is a player that you didn't have ranked Victor. Um, you're just not a fan, eh? I don't really see the appeal. Frankly, I think he's going to be someone who's a bottom sixer. I mean, if you want someone who hits a lot and might, you know, make the team, then, uh, great. Cause he's hitting uh, one and a half times and under 15 minutes of time on ice. That's great. He's also nearly a block per game with uh with nearly three shots so he could have some pretty decent peripherals but i just don't know that he's going to score more than like 30 points so if you want points i don't know that Rokov is going to be your guy but uh it could be pretty decent for peripherals and if you want a decent depth guy that uh that's gonna that's gonna bang then sure you have worse options um but i don't i don't know that his his path is also super clear uh, to the NHL, but certainly nice to see him named to the Olympic team. So we'll, we'll get to see him really closely on that large ice and center stage. That'll be, it'll be good to get a little bit more information about him. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think we're, we're pretty close to the same page there. I, I, I see some, some things that are intriguing there. Uh, I want to know more though. Uh, so the next guy I have on my list at nine, you had at eight and that's, um, I want to say he's Russian, but I don't think he is. No, he's Czech. So big Czech defenseman. And I'm going to say his name wrong. Stanislav Sovil. Svozil. Svozil. I knew I'd say it wrong. Czech names are, I just don't have a tongue for them. Anywho, he's playing over in uh, in the WHL right now. He came across uh, from the Czech to play with Regina. And he's a defensive defenseman, one goal in 27 games, 18 points, got a couple assists, uh, made their world junior roster, two games, take it with a grain of salt. Um, yeah, so tell me a little bit about what you like about uh, about the Czech defenseman. Yeah, Svozil is a really good real-life defender. I think he has legit top four upside. He could even be a top pairing, depending on how good all the surrounding cast is. Uh, What I really love about him is watching him just lay guys out because he is physical, and he will step up in the neutral zone, prevent those zone entries. Um, He's also good down low and just really, really good um, with his hits. So if if you want someone who hits a lot, and, uh, you know, might have some decent peripherals. And Sposal is a guy, I mean, he should play a lot too. Some leagues count time on ice. So um, something like that might be useful. Um, he's great defensively. I'm just not sure how much offense there is there. Um, but yeah, it is It is a, a little bit of a concern, I, I guess, just in terms of uh, how much, how many points will be there. But on the other hand, it's nice to see him come come to North America and, and be committed to, you know, um, playing here and the Pats haven't necessarily been great this season to say the least. And he's got 18 points in 27 games. So, you know, I guess there's something to be said there. Um, I think he's a guy who's very likely to play in the NHL. So like just comparing him to, to Kuhlman's, um, you know, he is very likely, I think his game is really refined and he's pretty much, you know, there, 
Um, and so that's nice, but, uh, again, the offensive upside, I don't know, definitely, um, good with the peripherals. So, um, in terms of your fantasy league, maybe he, if they're scoring a lot, he gets in on some points there, but I don't see him. I don't see any of these guys as someone who's, you know, likely to run a power play. So that's my only concern with him. Um, but I could see him, I could see him, I could see putting him higher if, uh, if there was more offense, but just because of that, that's why I'm a little lower on him but in real life very high yeah yeah you're you're making your top 10 rankings here with a lot more of a fantasy um focus on it than mine because like i said mine were for um my rumors.com so it's not a fantasy site so i i would change that a little bit um for fantasy rankings he, he might not make my list anymore either uh he kind of reminds me of uh, New Jersey Devils prospect Nikito uh, Nikita Okachiak, uh, I think is how you pronounce his name. Uh, played for the Ottawa 67s or, or Dominic Machine, another uh, Czech defenseman who played a really robust physical game. Uh, not a not an overly big guy. In fact, he was pretty frail, but that didn't stop him from laying out some devastating hits. Um, but he neither of those guys really have much offensive upside either. All right, so now uh, we're going to talk about a couple of guys that uh, I'm going to get a lot of a lot of your input on. Uh, so the first one is the guy that you had ranked uh, seventh, and I'll let you uh, I'll let you take it from there, and you can pronounce his name because I don't know how. <laughs> I ranked him third, right? Talking no, we'll, we'll circle back on Tarasov. Oh, who are we talking about? uh seventh ranked uh canasco oh right sorry um that's cool yeah canasco samuel canasco uh is, is yeah so he wasn't on your list and um i i have these defenders basically in a group uh, i think that i would put them in a tier kind of similar Kulamins, Fozel, and canasco i think it's hard for me to say who has the most offensive upside. I think that's probably Kuhlman's, but again, hard, hard to say. Kanashko might. Um, he was a third round pick back in 2020. What's what's good, what's exciting about him is that he's been a staple of the Slovak international uh, team since he was 15. So he's been on pretty much every international team. He's a staple there. He went to Finland to do most of his development time played in the tps system under 18 under 20 and that's where he played his draft eligible hockey and then he came he after uh, in december just before the world juniors he came to north america oh he's also going to be on the on the olympic team for beijing Mm. um so that's that's good we'll get to see him there against some uh big strong men but he's been with the Seattle Winterhawks since uh, since December. That got interrupted by the brief stint at the World Juniors and interrupted now because he's on his way to Beijing. Um, but yeah, so he's been he's been pretty decent for the for the um did I say Winterhawks? Seattle Thunderbirds is who he's playing for. Uh just 10 games. I'm sure no one in Portland or Seattle would uh, be upset about that. You corrected um, <laughs> yourself, so it's all it's okay. Yeah. So I reached out to one of my uh, one of my colleagues, Liz Child, who's really um, covers the WHL really well. And she said he's looked like a man amongst boys and that he's uh, you know been really good and but not surprising. And also in a very limited sample size, not sure how much offense there is there. Um, she says a lot of people over there are throwing around the comparable of Shea Theodore. I think a lot of um, people when they see a strong 
defenseman in the WHL that just want to compare him to Shea Theodore, but he's uh, not. I don't think Kanashko is going to be anything like Theodore. Frankly, I think that Theodore was uh, pretty elite from early on, high point getter, um, high NHL equivalency, and Kanashko just isn't that, I don't think. If he gets anywhere close to being what Shea Theodore is, I'd be amazed. So um, that's my take on Kanashko. I think that his peripherals could be okay, not as good as Fozel's, but his offense might be better. I'm not sure. Um, He's been really dominant in his short stint in the WHL in terms of his Fenwick, though. So I think he's someone who deserves to be in that kind of middle tier, and one of those three is going to emerge and probably be a top four or top pairing defenseman. I'm just not quite sure who it's going to be yet. And the reason I put Kuhlman's higher is because he's younger and the range of outcomes is wider at this point. Right. Well, Kanazko's only 1% fan tracks owned. So there's a, there's a lot of ownership opportunity with him. And it looks, sounds like this is someone I've been kind of sleeping on and, and I missed out on him because he's, I guess I'm in the 1% leagues that have ownership of Kanazko because one of my teams has him all right so that brings us to the last player on the list so your rankings went Kent Johnson Cole Sillinger Daniel Tarasov um Krill Marchenko Chinnikov Carson Kuhlman's Daniel uh, Samuel Kanazko uh Svozil uh Tyler Angle and Liam Foody mine went Kent Johnson Sillinger Foody Shinnikov Kuhlman's, Marshenko, Angle, Vorankov, Svozil, and I had Tarasov at 10th. So this is where we're going to have a chat. So I had him at 10th. I got him pretty low on my list. And I know a lot of people are pretty high on him. So I think I'm the outlier here. And you got him third ranked on your list. I'm not arguing that he's not the team's best uh, goaltending prospect. Um, I guess I'm saying that he is. I guess I'm just not saying that I'm not sold on him. So he's kind of bounced around a little bit in all of the different Russian leagues, the MHL, the KHL, the VHL. He played uh, in the Liga with Asset on loan uh, and looked okay there. 11 wins, 17 losses, 272 goals against average and and under 900 save percentage. Um Played a little bit better last year in the KHL, 16 games, uh, 11 wins, three losses, two ties, and uh, a 207 goals against average. So that's that's pretty good. Um, finished the season in Cleveland with a 4-2-0 record and a 316 goals against average. So he's made his commitment to sign and and the organization. So you lose a little bit of that Russian fear factor. Um, so that's good. Uh, but wasn't a, it wasn't a, a stellar debut. Uh, and then this season, he's played mostly in the American Hockey League, and he's got a 5-3-4 and four record with a 3-0-6 goals against average. And surprisingly enough, he's been recalled to the NHL and played four games, uh, hasn't won a game yet. He's 0-2, so I guess he's come in relief or been pulled. Uh, 240 goals against average, though. So nothing on his stat line really jumps out and grabs me and says this guy is a future franchise starting goaltender he's a top five prospect top three prospect in this organization um other than the fact that he's six foot five uh so convince me that i'm wrong okay i will all right so (laughs) um there's a few things i think that are important about him yes he's tall but that doesn't make you necessarily a great goalie but it helps right um 
he's actually seventh on my list of prospect goalies under 50 games played. And one of the things that I really love is Instat has this uh, statistic goals, expected goals per goal conceded. So how high were your expected goals per how many you gave up? So anything over one is really good. And he's been over to well over one in every season he's played. So he's giving up fewer goals than expected based on that. And so that's really good to see. He also has been facing professional shooters since he was very young. And that is something that tracks to be a high quality goalie. So we, you know, I think we've, uh, we've talked about this um, or I've talked about it in other situations, but you know, the CHL goalies playing and facing shooters who many of whom are never going to play professionally is not as good as, as facing, you know, KHL, SHL, Liga, even Czech league uh, shooters from early in your development. So it just really helps. And he's been able to do that since he was, you know, a teenager and yeah, some of his numbers don't look great on the surface, but some of those teams were bad. And so that's where the expected goals per goal conceded really helps. And yeah, a lot of his uh, more recent AHL numbers don't look great. And not that you should read so much into four games, which is 175 minutes of, of, you know, time on ice, but his ability to save three goals above expected in the NHL against high quality competition is very impressive as is his Delta Fenwick save percentage, meaning he's outperforming what's expected of him in his save percentage by a pretty dramatic number of 2.07. Anything, you know, just above zero is really good for that. So I think he has the potential to be a true elite level starter and when you look at hockey prospecting, which tracks this based on save percentage, and again, I think that's the that's the stat that the goalie can most uh, control. He tracks to be similar to someone like Jake Ottinger, who we're seeing in the NHL as a high-quality young goalie. In fact, a lot of his equivalencies are even better than a guy like that, on par with someone like Lukas Dostal. So if you like Dostal, you should probably like... Daniel Tarasov, because I think that they're kind of in a similar conversation. The The main thing to consider is what the team will be when he gets there. And of course, we don't know that. But I think that he's going to be better than Merzlikens, actually. Um, we'll have to see about that. Of course, Merzlikens already being here, doing it, uh, has a huge feather in his cap. So I don't think that we can say that yet. But Tarasov is really big and he moves very well. He's He's very patient, but he can be athletic. I love his his goal line posture where he basically just, you know, one foot on each post. He's so big and flexible that he doesn't even really have to move. But when he needs to get a bit, big push laterally, he can do that. And he tracks the puck really well. So he's usually in the right position uh, and not someone who needs to overreact to different movements. So, yeah, I think Tarasov, I mean, I'm, I'm, all, I'm sometimes skeptical of putting goalies high on these lists, but I think, you know, Sillinger and... Ken Johnson are just in that top tier by themselves. And then it's a, a few forwards that are kind of in that mushy next group that might have some upside, but just not sure about. So that's why I think Tarasov should jump all the way to the top because he's a guy who, you know, very realistically could be a starter in the NHL. He's already shown promise. And most of the other guys after Johnson and Sillinger have, have huge question marks, even though some of them have some upside. So I would gladly take Tarasov as the third um, if I was picking from the Columbus Blue Jackets. Right. I think 
one of the things I like most about him is his opportunity in this organization, right? Like he's a 22 year old goalie and you've got Merzlikens and Corpusalo who are 27. So they're not old. Um, they're kind of right in their prime for goalies. Uh, so he can take a little bit of time uh, developing. And what's his competition? Barube, Cam Johnson, Peter Thome. Not much, right? Like there's, there's not much there that, that scares me that I'm going to lose my job to, to these guys. Uh, he's younger than, than all of those guys. Um, so, so that's, that bodes well for him. Um, I guess I need to see you play a little bit because, you know, I, I like your goals uh, versus expected uh, fancy stat. That, that is impressive. Um, one thing I want to know about that is who sets the standard for what the expected goals are, right? Like, what, where does that number come from? Yeah, every one of these companies has a proprietary expected goals model. I know Evolving Hockey has one, Money Puck and Hockey Viz do theirs. So yeah, it's it's a lot of it uh, based on position and, and tracking the location. It doesn't necessarily take into account cross-ice passes and the velocity um, and trajectory of certain things. So it certainly ha- might have some flaws, but I've been using this for a while and looking at some of these prospect goalies. And I feel like it's, uh, it's, it's, it's led me uh, to, to pretty good conclusions. So of course it's not perfect, but when you see someone who's, I really like it because sometimes you'll see someone's numbers and they look really good. And then you'll look at the expected goals per goal conceded and it'll be really low. And you're like, okay, maybe it's just a good team. It's overinflated. And oftentimes that does hold true. So uh, it's good to kind of, it's just another piece of information. I wouldn't, I wouldn't put all your stock in it. Sure. Yeah. I, I don't agree in putting all of your stock in, in any one particular stat or eye test, you know, uh, it's a combination of, of all the information that you can get and, and other people's scouting reports too. I, I really put a lot of value in that because, you know, someone who's watched Tarasov play, 15 times this season and then I've watched him play once I'm going to put a lot of value in what that person who's who's seen a much larger sample size has to say about him uh and I'm going to take that for uh for face value for sure all right so uh that pretty much puts a bow on the Columbus Blue Jackets top prospects uh I don't think we need to go into uh anything other than top 10 or honorable mentions or anything like that because uh, we've mentioned a few times that it, it's pretty thin at the bottom. Um, so I want to say thanks very much to my my guest on this episode, Victor Nuno. Uh, follow him on Twitter, and his Twitter handle is at Victor Nuno12, V I C T O R N U N O 1 2. And go ahead and search out his podcast, Fantasy Hockey Life. The Twitter handle of that podcast is at fan hockey life f-a-n hockey life uh great show great guests great hosts good content it'll help you win your fantasy league um so that uh that puts a bow on the columbus blue jackets top prospects uh episode 115 we'll be back with the next episode coming up uh, in probably about a week's time so until then keep your stick on the ice